Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce, I'm back. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. But, uh, we went a couple games in your absence. My yeah, that play, was... you know, when the cat's away, and we did, <laughs> we did all right. I mean, other than my mic went to shit on the first uh, first podcast, I had some kind of meltdown in my microphone system that, that had observers stating that it sounded like I was dialing it in from a submarine. But uh, anyway, other than that, I thought the exchange with Kurt was, was good. It was fun to change things up once in a while. Uh, it was, and it was fun for me to listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little, I mean, I'm, I admit, Bruce, it was a little painful the one night there with the sound yeah. quality. Oh. But <laughs> anyway, what's yeah. done is done. We've, we, I, that's I, not the first time, and it won't be the last time we've had I watched you and Kurt do a couple when I was away, and I enjoyed it the same way, just as a you know, bystander, as a consumer of the Cult of Hockey podcast. You know, it was just, it's just funny. It made me realize, I, and this might sound... It was it, it, the 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 word that I f- 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 it was kind of comforting, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I don't know exactly why that was, but I just think just two kind of old time fans talking hockey. There's something just comforting about it, and it's in a weird way. And I, so that's how, that's how it made me feel. It was like it was good. just very, you know, nice. It was good. good. Well, I enjoyed talking <laughs> to Kurt. He's a he's a very congenial fellow, as you know. That's for sure. And so. Uh, uh, and he knows a lot. He knows this game. He was giving it to Dave Tippett pretty good on a Saturday, and he had his reasons, you know. And oh, he made an excellent point there that thing about <laughs> yeah. overtime. And what a, you know, what a great strategy, you know. Put out the two, put out some checkers. Just check Drysaddle and and McDavid for for that long, and and then put out your star players because you know they're going to stay out too long. And bamo. Oh. Okay, yeah. so let's. Uh, well, let's that is a good tonight's game, but yeah. That is a good way to segue because the Oilers really need it. Like this is the, okay, in other seasons, Bruce, in the decade of Darkness Plus, this is the game the Oilers lose for sure. This is a game, you know, that it's a statement game. Four, they five, just they, they lost to Dallas. They gave away the game. They kind of puked it up in an embarrassing fashion. And and they lost to San Jose in the last time in San Jose. They got, they got stomped in, in that old San Jose way, point shot after point shot deflected in. So you just, in the old days, the Oilers would have come in here and they would have maybe even given them a good game, but they would have lost 3-2 maybe in overtime. They wouldn't have won. And they came in here this game and they had their best team effort of the season. They Grade A chances, 17-9 to for the Oilers. Um, yeah. Everything. You know, so that was a statement. I liked it. The shots on net did not tell the story of this game. In the first no. period, it was like 18 to 9 or something, the shots. And the scoring chances were even. San Jose, they did have that one big flurry, right? Yeah. Right after Oilers made it 2 nothing, they had like six shots on net in 33 seconds. And I think four of them were scoring chances. And they scored. Yeah. And the one they did score was actually a total, complete fluke. What a weird goal. Yeah, like I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to score the scoring chances, and I just couldn't find anybody even to fault on that particular mm-hmm. goal. But. but you know, when that does happen, is after lots of pressure, right? You gotta, and then though. things are discombobulated, yeah. and things bad things happen. Yeah. So we're gonna yeah. do our the our world famous in Edmonton uh, among <laughs> our listeners. Two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what was your good thing? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to tip the hat today to uh, the workhorse Oscar Clefbaum and the monstrous game that he played uh, over half of the 60 minutes he played. Not very often you see that from a defenseman. Uh, but with the Oilers losing Matt Benning early in the first period, they were down to five defensemen pretty quick. And two of those guys were rookies. And so they had to lean pretty hard on uh, Clefbaum, on Nurse, who I thought had a terrific game, on, on uh, Chris Russell. Uh, but especially Clefbaum, 31 minutes and 38 seconds. In fact, he led the Oilers in ice time and shifts with 31 and average ice time. In uh, power play time, shorthanded time, and even strength time on defense, like every category, Oscar was the the mail carrier, and uh, he did carry the mail. He also led the team with three shots. He blocked four. He had a couple of hits. And he just played a grinding work workhorse game. Not perfect. There was a couple of mistakes in there, but he sure made it. A, he won a lot of battles in the corners, and. As the night went on, more and more times the puck would come in on Clefbaum's watch and it would safely go out of the Oilers' zone with him playing some role in the change of possession and the breakout. And he was, to me, he was just rock solid and, and a mainstay. I mean, like I say, he played half the game, so uh, credit were due. And he wound up with two assists. Great pass, too, on the first goal. The pass oh, the across to Marcus Granlund. Yeah. That was yeah. sweet like right across to the back door. Like that's a vision pass. And if I've had a criticism of Clefbaum in the past, it's that his vision is not necessarily that that great. But he's made a couple of real nice backdoor passes in the last few games. And I have I, rewarded. I like to see him succeed, especially I like to see him succeed on the power play. And, and it's when I put my GM hat on because mm-hmm. – He's signed up for the next right. three three it's years. It's not going to cost him this summer. No, so but if they put, yeah, if if Bear or Nurse goes on the I power play, go on the it's going it would be Bear, but if Ethan Bear goes on the power play and you know puts up fifteen power play points in the rest of the regular season, which he could easily do, right. that's going to cost the orders like a million or two a year. So, um, yeah, it's good to see the guy who signed up long term on the power play and succeeding there. So I had to look up the word monstrous because you said he played a monstrous game, Bruce, because I think of monstrous. But you know what? One of the definitions is ex- extremely and dauntingly large. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Dude. the the uh the sense that you use the word in and that was yes, a absolutely. You know, correct usage of the word there. Monstrous, so uh, monstrous game. Leviathan yeah. elephantine. That's... He was big. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. And then in the, the the new phrases, he played a monster game, but yeah, monstrous <laughs> also works very well. Okay, my good thing, Bruce, was the total team effort. I talked about this earlier. It's what everyone's talking about, of course, on Twitter right now. It's just the total team effort because it, it's hard to think of a player who didn't uh, really con- contribute to this win. Um, there was uh, scoring from um, I think a, a player on every single line scored a goal. James Neal got his on the power play. And what a power play goal that was. What a snipe. Good yeah. to see him doing that. It, it was just um, every defense pairing worked. Bruce, the Oilers finally have. They have seven defensemen. If you include Adam Larson and the six players who played tonight, they have seven defensemen who can uh, play at the NHL level, including, you know, including, and, and I would say all seven can kind of hang in there in a top four role if needed, if needed. It's not ideal, obviously, if you had, let's say, Chris Russell and Matt Benning in your top four, but they can hang in there. And I thought Chris Russell was was tonight. Um, he, he had such a low event game, but he was just superb the whole game. 
and and bear and uh nurse they have been in a bit of a defensive slump in the last yes, uh, big time. uh they've been starting to get eaten up a little bit which will happen anytime you're the top pairing defense that happens it's really hard to avoid it but they came up so big tonight they were just fantastic nurse wheeling that puck and bear passing it playing hard defense making some great plays on the attack um just a fantastic game uh, Leon Dreisel extended his point streak. Miko Kofs getting in the net, just just playing lights out as he has done pretty much every game all year long. To give him credit, and you know, let's just think of the abuse that was hurled on him and Shirelli for that contract. But he's uh, he's doing a little jujitsu on his critics here. Um, he's just looking fine. So I, I just uh, it, it made me believe this was a game, Bruce, that maybe believe it made me think these oilers look for real this looks like a total this looks like a team where everyone's starting to understand their role play their role and they have this the six defensemen and two goalies that you need to compete in the nhl something they've lacked forever since well, since 2006 having two goalies i mean that's uh um i mean, two goalies you can count on that's a slump buster uh, you know, if you have one goalie and he goes sour for a little bit and you're counting on that guy, let's, let's call him Cam Talbot. And let's say he goes off his game for a while and you got a backup that you're afraid to use. And it used to be that they'd get Talbot would lose two or three in a row and then they'd say, well, we got to win this game. We've got to go with our best back to Talbot. And, you know, and that would just... And whereas now it seems this year that no matter what the team does, win or lose that the, both goalies are going to play and they're going to sit for a maximum of two games and get back in there. I, I fully expect Mike Smith to play on Thursday night and, uh, and as he should, and they'll, they'll, uh, uh, and they'll split the games uh, Saturday, Sunday, but they'll have a fresh goalie in each game. And so that's a, that's a important element that they have two goalies that are both playing pretty solid. Like, you know, they're not the best in the league, but they, they don't have the worst goaltending. It's not Victor Fast and Ben Scrivens, right? I mean, it's two guys that are somewhere in the middle of the pack, and they're going to keep the team in uh, in some games, and they've done exactly that. Yeah, and two goalies that came into the season with a lot of doubts, including by me and by pretty much every fan, I think, if if fans are honest. just if like If you weren't doubtful, you weren't paying attention. Yes. You know. Yeah, it's an interesting time for other fans because we were, you know, we were kind of expecting some gloom and doom. And think about last year at this time. I mean, Zach Cassian Bruce is playing lights out hockey right now. He's he's like 40th and even strength scoring in the entire NHL for forwards, mm-hmm. um, if not better than that, because he got another one tonight. He, you know, a year ago he was so in the doghouse. He was benched for a couple mm-hmm. games. He was in the press box, yeah. and everyone, if you know what, there was all this. There was talk. Everyone probably crossed many fans' mind, like, oh, they should maybe trade the guy. And and then, but some people would say, I don't think you can trade him. No team's going to take that contract. Just got another year at 1.95 million. He's overpaid for a fourth liner. And look at look at him. Yeah. I think he had, last year after 27 games, he had one point. And now <laughs> he's pumping him in, you know, like he scored three in three straight games. And then he had a long drought for goals, but he was playing good and he was getting points and he was getting a lot of, you know, place where uh, our our system at the Cult of Hockey of measuring scoring chances would recognize some contribution by Cassian that wouldn't show up in the score sheet, but he'd be in the goalie's face and the screenshot would beat him, you know, and uh, lots of times. 
He's and, crushing it on this yeah. franchise metric. He's really crushing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's really chipping in his his uh, his part. And there's this guy, this one guy here, Connor McDavid. That guy. Oh yeah, look at that. One goal, two assists, three points, plus one, a penalty, and right across the board contributions in this game. So he's he's starting to pick it up now, and uh, he's he's gaining ground on on uh, Leon Drysaddle in the Great Edmonton scoring race. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it really is and you know in the checking line i kind of like that riley shayan go ahead i was gonna say you want to know what's sweet i got both of them in my pool <laughs> and good for keep, you a keeper league like if you had oh. <laughs> all right well you got some luck to get mcdavid yeah. but uh, dry saddle was pure yeah, i won the lottery that year Anyway, uh, oh yeah, I was just saying the third line I thought was Shane and um, Archibald and Nygaard. I really like that. I like that as a checking line because that's got some speed. Like Shane, I think really works better um, with two faster wingers. And uh, I thought it was maybe Archibald's best game. He, he was in. A, he got a chance or two. And oh, Shane's best game too. I yeah, he I could. Really good. He was good. Yeah. Good on the dot. And he was winning battles and stealing pucks and just getting in their faces, not making it easy for him. And good on the penalty kill. So, what is your? Uh, let's move on to the bad things. What's your bad thing? My bad thing is just a little letdown <laughs> slash meltdown that the Oilers had at the end of the second period when they had just established, uh, spread their lead to four-one, and they got a power play. They finally got a power play after about eighty-five missed fouls early in the game. Not to say anything more about the refs, but uh, they got a they got a power play. And then whatever happened, they completely fell asleep and gave up basically a clear breakaway. 20 seconds to go in the period, shorthanded, with a three-goal lead. Like, you know, like of all the nightmare scenarios, you just can't have it. And Koskinen comes up with the big stop there. That changes the game, man. San Jose scores there. They come out in the third period. And and Edmonton's going, oh, we're 4-2 ahead after second again. You know, and they start thinking. and, And instead... You know, the save is made, the problem went away, but I noticed it. That wasn't God, impressed. Yeah. <laughs> every every goalie loves every defenseman or forward who fails on the back check like Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl did on that play loves their goalie when they make that oh, yeah. save because it just makes it all go away. Suddenly everyone's like, Yay, we got a great goalie instead of like, Oh, you guys suck. So so oh, that's... for about five seconds there, those guys sucked. Yeah. And, and it could have turned the game, and then Koskinen made the same save. So even our bad thing had a good good thing at the end of it. So my bad thing was uh, um, Evander Kane's uh, reckless play. I mean, that was an asinine play. And he he, he I, what are you doing? What are you Clubbing doing? Clubbing an opponent in the face with your hockey stick. Trying, he's trying to get the puck out that high. You know that you're being someone's gonna. He, he, he's an NHL player. He can sense Benning's there. What is he doing? You know that is just such a stupid, reckless play. It reminded me of Cassian's slash on Gagne. I was I was actually watching that. Um, I did a piece on on Cassian's emergence, um, and I was looking at some of the the you know, physical plays he's been involved in over the years. And, and that was very, very similar, that kind of reckless play with a stick that, uh, that Cassian really harmed Sam Gagne. And 
I don't know. I just think you hear anything about Benning other than he was out. No, I haven't heard anything yet. That could easily be a broken jaw, you know. For sure, for sure. So he just clubbed him. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm ass play. I'm thinking. Isn't beheading at least like a two minute minor (laughs) in this league? Like no penalty for that. Hello. He went full. Saudi Arabia on that play. And he, and he ha- and that wasn't the only guy he hacked. I know he chopped Chris Russell right in the head in the third period on the forecheck. That came followed through at the high arms and they got him with the stick right in the with the you know shaft of the stick right in the right in the chops. And uh, there were there was a few man had a little bit of stick work going on out there. But uh, give Edmonton credit, they hung in and even when the calls didn't go their way. Uh, which included not just the refs, but the linesmen, who apparently have no idea how the icing rule works, is my takeaway from that game. Cost Edmonton a goal, by the way. But anyway. In the third period, yeah. yeah. Dry settle five goes right through Brendan Dillon. Dillon. Right yeah, through. Yeah, how is that icing? Like, it gets waved off every single time. I've been watching hockey for 55 years. It gets waved off every single time. Yeah. Somehow Dillon's it's icing. Easily should- yeah, how did Dylan miss that? I don't have no idea. How well, right through him. Yeah. He was waiting at the blue line. Drysaddle just sort of lobbed it out to him so he could get to the change. And the next thing you know, they have to go and line up for a face-off when they're out of wind. And Anyway, um, the fact is the Oilers, the Oilers took a few slings and arrows tonight. They got a, took a few stray sticks. Uh, they didn't get uh, a few calls they might have got. And they just battled through all that. So, I mean, ultimately, the silver lining is bigger than the dark cloud well and 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 here we have the defensive depth um with adam larson ready to come back right now and if benning's out um you know problem solved on a a certain level they got a guy ready to step in and this is the first time in forever again i I mentioned this earlier in the podcast but they've also got you know william logison on the farm um if if one more guy got hurt william logison can play third pairing nhl defense and the fact of the matter is probably Evan Bouchard could too uh, play third pairing and get by and, and be okay. So this is the most depth that the Oilers have had since I don't know when, Bruce. Like it's just it's just uh, since the not the nineteen eighties on defense. Is that a fair since nineteen ninety? I mean it's um, two thousand and six. Yeah. They got the depth when they traded for uh, spot check, but. Um, they had a really good defense around 2008-09 when they had Surrey, Vysnovsky, uh, Grabeshkov, the double agent, Gilbert, uh, Smead, and Steos, and that was their that was their big six, right. and that that was the team that had no forwards, but the defense was actually not bad. But yeah. uh, I mean, they have one line of forwards, but that was basically it. They did have six decent defensemen then, um, six guys who could play, and they got. But they, this year they have six plus two or three, right? Who can step in and and um, get the job done. All right, are we on numbers here? Is it your turn for the... Yeah, I'll go with... I'm going to go with the number one, uh, and that is uh, a multi-purpose number tonight. Number one to uh, Marcus Granlin for his first goal uh, as an Edmonton Oiler. He did previously have an assist on a a defensive zone face-off that Colby Cave converted into a goal. I remember that Uh, rush, yeah. Yeah, Uh, so it wasn't his first point. Uh, one also to Riley Shane, who had his first point as an order tonight on the terrific hard-working goal that really put this game away, I thought, uh, very late in the first period. And it turned out to be the game winner where Jujar Kara 
was on a partial line change, but it was Kara and uh, Cheyenne and uh, uh, Archibald, and they were just steamrolling around the uh, uh, San Jose end, and the, the Sharks couldn't handle them. And finally, Kara got the puck out high in the slot, and uh, he let fly through a massive sort of triple screen and picked a corner. And uh, three to one, and that really changed the whole rest of the game. And you know, Edmonton really took over after that. Like they, I think they had eleven scoring chances to three the rest of the way. Like it was, it was uh, uh, that was a big turning point in the game. So <clears throat> first point each for those, and then the other purpose of one is that uh, uh, Leon Drysaddle's lead over Connor McDavid is now down to one point. It was as many as five a few games ago, but Connor's gradually, well, quickly. Uh, closing down the deficit, he got three tonight, and Leon only got one. So uh, they they're down 44 to 43 in the Great Edmonton scoring race. I have one more one to add to that, Bruce. The Oilers sure. are tied for Number first. One. Yeah, they're tied for first in the Western Conference Excellent. with the St. Louis Blues. Blues have a right. game in hand, but the Oilers are tied for first after 23 games. So uh, we're almost at the mythical but somewhat meaningless American Thanksgiving mark for for rating hockey teams. And I say somewhat, it's kind of somewhat meaningless because the idea is, well, if, if you're in the playoffs there, you're set. But as we know from last year, that's not necessarily true. St. Louis was out, as were a number of other teams that made the playoffs in the end. So nonetheless, well, a good teams sign. The teams that were in eventually fell out. So it's, it's, Yeah, that's right. So we'll, we'll see. That's more meaningful than Canadian Thanksgiving. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so my numbers are five and six. Okay. which are the losing winless streaks, I would call them losing streaks, of the five games for the Calgary Flames, six for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wowzer, Bruce. And, and I don't... I do take happiness in the failure of those two teams. Schadenfreude. Mainly no, because right? we get such grief from Toronto about... We, got, we, have, we have gotten such grief from Toronto media and Toronto, some Toronto fans from about McDavid, you know, reading his body language and saying he wants out of here and just, just so happy to jump on that at the second it, you know, and to treat it with great uh, gravity and credibility the second it happens. So it's, it's hard, even though I know some great Leafs fans out there, um, some fantastic fans. It's hard not, it's hard to get that out of your head though. Those, that kind of nastiness, kind of unthinking, unthinking nastiness in Toronto about in regards to McDavid and the Oilers. So if they lose, um, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> so and I'm Calgary happy tonight. Too? Well, Calgary, of course, you know, that's a different story. That's there's there. That's just the old Edmonton Calgary rival rivalry. And, uh, uh, you know, they've got, they've got some players that are worth hating on that team. Don't they? Like they used to have, um, Robin Regeer, <laughs> Oh, Kim, they had lots know, of guys. They've had lots of guys, and now they've got <laughs> Matthew Kachuk. They used to have Neil Sheehy and Gary Suter and, and Paul Baxter all on the same defense uh, core, Dave. Uh, yeah, Jamie Ugh. McCown. Yeah. yeah, they've had no Theo Fleury. They've had no shortage of players who just really <laughs> drive you crazy. <laughs> so, um who else they had? They had Regeer and someone else on that. Well, team. they had that Denny Goche. Now that was a guy. You know, he wasn't like very heralded, but he used to he used to injure guys. 
I didn't respect him because he would take advantage of an opponent in a vulnerable position and follow through and try and try and put him out and and do so. And that's you know the Matt Cook mentality that I just don't have a lot of time for. Regeer hit Alice Kemsky so hard. It, it might have ran him into the dasher board. Most every game, it was hard to watch. Anyway, so yeah, the Flames are the Flames, and they're easy not to like. I, I have actually less antipathy towards the Flames than I do for the Leafs because of the 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 kind of the again kind of this unthinking malice, uh, thoughtlessness towards Edmonton and Edmonton fans. Like just um, it 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 gets. Oh, it's just a traditional skip. rivalry more than anything with Calgary. Yeah, in Calgary, that's right. It's just a traditional rivalry. Although tonight when Kane made that play, I started to hate San Jose all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. If if a team has some cheap play like players who are prone to that kind of play. It does make them a lot easier to hate mm-hmm. uh, than other teams, and and uh, hadn't seen so much of that from San Jose in the past. But there was some plays from Evander Kane tonight that, that got me going. So five and well, six, not, Bruce. Are going yeah. to see coaches fired, GMs fired. Hard yeah. to say, but uh, it's the plank's getting short. So I got I got to give one more shout out to one guy that I also shouted out on Saturday, or I guess uh, Kurt did. Uh, Jujar Kara yeah. scored the winning goal tonight. Uh, one goal, his fourth of the season. He led the orders in shots and hits, and the forwards in block shots. Like he was, he was everywhere, and and uh, solid on the penalty kill again. And he's just got his mojo back. I mean. I'm sure a month ago, David, there was probably, if you took a poll, Jujar Kara, get rid of him, keep him, that the majority of that poll would have said get rid of him. Two weeks and, ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, recently, fairly recently. And he's finally got his stuff together. And he's got a lot of stuff to get together. Like, he's got a lot of game when he's when he's on it. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's a big guy, and, you know, he'll play physical, but he can shoot the puck, and he'll take it to the net and uh, make some solid defensive plays. And we saw all of that tonight. It's interesting, isn't it? Because because often it is a matter he of he was, he was even three and oh, hundred percent on the faceoff dot tonight. Like he Haas. just did it all. Gaetan Haas was one and eleven. With with um so, so with Kara, it reminds me of Cassian last Cassian last year because so often it's not just the player, it's the attitude of the player and the attitude of the coach towards the player and the opportunity given to the player, mm-hmm. and those things are just as big as the players for a lot of players not for the really best players or the really worst players, but for the guys in the middle, yeah. uh, those things are huge. And, you know, Kara's playing with confidence. We we both, well, I definitely saw him play in Bakersfield and uh, when he was just this dominant, dominant AHL player. And right. then we saw signs of that yep. in, the, in the NHL. We've seen signs of that over the years. It's enough that he's still with the team all these years. It's like, what is it, two or three years when he's really been kind of a fringe player. But he can kill penalties. And when he's got his feet moving and and, and is hustling, really, really hustling, when he makes up his mind that he's going to play like a little man with something to prove instead of a big kind of loafer, he he plays a pretty strong game. So good for him. And I agree. Like, you know, that was certainly that. All righty. I'll give my one additional plot it to Caleb Jones who has stepped into the lineup and been everything that Joel Parrison really wasn't. He's been pretty steady. He's been making solid reads and good passes. I mean, Parrison just looked nervous, nervous Nelly out there. 
and um, Caleb Jones has, has been cool and collected and making good plays and fit, fitting in right with Clefbaum. And that's the Caleb Jones I remember from last year. And um, good to see it. Well, vulnerable defensively and, and, and uh, um, pinching at the offensive blue line can be an adventure. Uh, but boy, he makes a lot of good plays. And that long stretch pass he fed to Zach Cassian first or second minute of tonight's game was just a thing of beauty. Yeah, Looked up, like found his target, got the puck in the air and down and on the stick of a guy 100 feet away kind of thing. Very nice, 80 feet anyway. And, you know, looking up and looking for opportunities, not just dumping it up, you know. And, and uh, that's uh, that's what they want out of these young guys. And they're getting it from Ethan Bear and they're getting it from uh, from Caleb Jones in his short trial so far. Yeah. I mean, Clefbaum's really, one really sh- rough shift came with Matt Benning. Um, at his side, not with Jones. That was that one where they had the four scoring chances. Right. All right. It was a half uh, change. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Let's hope up Matt Benning's okay. He's been playing great hockey. Uh, he mm-hmm. he really has in a, in a third pairing role. He's excelled there. So hopefully he's fine. All right, Bruce. Let's leave it there. All Thanks right. Thanks for talking tonight. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Oops, I got to.